Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. that he'd never leave us nor forsake us, but would be with us even until the end of the world. Somebody shout amen. amen. Tonight we are going to turn to the word of the Lord in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. If you would hold that as well, we want to read our text tonight from the book of James. Book of James chapter 5. The book of James, chapter 5, verse 16. I started this Sunday. I told you I would, I would finish it tonight. And um, I know the Lord's going to help us. How many want to pray more and pray more effectively? I do. I want to pray. I want God to hear me when I pray. And, um, and so James 5, verse 14, it says, Any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Verse 16, confess your faults one to another, and pray for one, and pray one for another, that ye may be what? Healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It does a lot of good. Prayer changes things. Do you believe that? Amen. I'm going to talk to you tonight just teaching about prayer, praying in the spirit, praying with understanding also. Okay, we're going to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. You may be seated. There There is a difference between praying intentionally and praying because of impulse. Uh, Just, just, oh, by the way, just a moment. I believe that there is moments that God begins to move among us and we can get into the atmosphere that is set by people that have already prayed and fasted and sought God and um, that, that we can just begin to pray in that moment, but not thinking that it is important to pray intentional prayers. I'll give you an example. Uh, Have you ever wondered why they put bread and milk at the back of the store? You ever wondered? You know why? So you'll have to pass all of that good food on the way there, get your bread and milk, and on the way back, you start thinking about what you saw on the way to the bread and milk. Are y'all hearing me? And so your intentions was to, were to go get the bread and milk, but you walk out with cinnamon toast crunch. You walk out with potato chips and salsa and Oreos. And, and why? Because they're masters of, the, the, they're masters of people. And um, they're masters of that. And so they've learned, especially every man in the building this evening, we go, women are more intentional when it comes to grocery shopping. Men purchase by impulse. 
My wife has said to me more times than I can count, how come you come back with all of this stuff and this was all wanted you to get what was on the list? But she didn't realize all the stuff that was at the end of the aisles that I was going to be, man, you know what? That does sound good. I think I'd like that right there. Can I get a witness from anybody in the building? There's a difference between doing things intentional and doing things based upon impulse. And I want to say to you today that we need to learn to pray. The Bible teaches us in 1 Thessalonians, the Bible teaches us to pray without what? Ceasing in everything give thanks. Thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And I think sometimes if we don't feel a great move of God in our prayer, how many's ever prayed before and you felt like you were talking to the wall and not God? Can I get a witness? How many's ever ended the prayer and you were just glad you didn't fall asleep because you got up early in the morning, 3.30 in the morning, before work, you waited to the last part of the day? How many's ever had hard prayers? Would you raise your hand? And so there are some days that it's easier to pray than in other days. The goal of prayer should be to get into the presence of God. That should be the goal of prayer. Because there's a difference in doing things for God than doing things with God. We can pray methodical prayers, checking off the list and being so intentional. I ask God to do this, ask God to do this, ask God to do this. And that can become a form of religion because you're just getting it done but not doing it with the right intention. He said when you come praying, you come prayer what? Faith believing. There is an atmosphere that you get into in prayer. There's been many times I had to walk and pray so I wouldn't fall asleep because my prayer time would be typically in the early mornings. How many, how many are early morning prayer? Anybody like to pray at midnight? I know some people like midnight prayer. I've seen people midday and Daniel prayed three times a day. But, but I, what I would say to you is that you've got to learn who you are in prayer. And uh, uh, I think sometimes we're not careful in our culture that we think it's got to be treated like a Wendy's Taco Bell drive through that we stop by at the, the, the speaker, see the menu, we request what we want, we pull up, and hoping just our hand out, and they're going to give it to us all within five minutes. Any ever have you ever, ever been frustrated at a drive-through fast food restaurant? Why? Because you they you had to wait ten minutes instead of five. Because it's fast food. I'm not so sure in our culture that we can't bring this to the Lord and have the same expectation that we pray, expect Him to move, pray, expect a certain atmosphere. When it doesn't happen in our timing, we step out and go with our day because we got things to do. I have learned it's best to block time alone with God. One man was so consistent in his prayer time. He would pray every day from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. I would say, if you're trying to find, Pastor, what's my time to pray? I would say the Bible says, early will I seek thee. There is something happening when you pray when the sun is coming up. It's the beginning of the day. The clock starts in the Jewish time would be at sunrise. The third hour of the day was what? 9 a.m., that's right. So the first hour of the day would have been our 6 a.m. He would pray every day. This man would pray every day between 6 
and 7 a.m. For years he was consistent. Being that was his time alone with God. Nobody talked to him during then. He didn't answer his phone during that time. It was just he and God. And I can say to you, it's best to have a time that cannot be interrupted. A time that's just, turn your phone off during prayer. Can you say amen? Get alone with God. Don't let anybody interrupt that time. And from six to seven, he prayed for many years. And in his older life, he had a heart attack. They could not get his heart to regulate in the hospital. They were trying to figure it out. His heart was all over the place. But from six to seven, every day, his heart would go perfect. Every day from six to seven, they couldn't figure it out. Wanted to know why your heart is perfect from six to seven because that's the place he blocked for God to come and visit him. Amen. You can create a place with God to where he visits you. And I want to say to you today, what are your intentions of prayer? Is it just to fulfill obligation or is it to really know God? Is it to really know Him? A portion of your prayer should be speaking. It should be praising. It should be asking. But there should be in your long time with God, time where you stop and just listen. We got Brother and Sister Jenkins with us here tonight from Indianapolis. Sister Jenkins' father well, a great-grandfather, excuse me, was, was Brother Frush, who was a pastor in Newark, Ohio, who produced a lot of preachers. And one of those preachers that he produced started this church, Guy Smith. And we're so glad to have you here tonight. Amen. She brought me a book that I so look forward to reading and uh, so thankful. I want them to stand here tonight if they would. Brother and Sister Jenkins, would you all stand? Would you welcome them? We're so glad they're here. Amen. Indianapolis, Calvary. Brother Josh Carson is their pastor who I love very much. I would say I will never forget, and there's, if you know me, is to know that I love our elders. I love where we come from. And uh, I will never forget his name was Kenneth Perrion in West Virginia. He was a, an amazing man. He, was, he pastored in one of my favorite places in the world, in Harrisville, West Virginia. Preached for him when I was just a teenager. My dad preached a revival for him when I was just 11 years old. Kenneth Perrine was a prince of a man. And a matter of fact, he was the one that was praying with my dad when car, my dad's carpal tunnel syndrome was healed. My dad didn't have to have surgery. He was praying with him. And uh, he, he was used of God. He came from a place that I was too young to understand. And uh, later in life, when I'm older, I was living here, and, um, and I knew he was toward the end of his life. And um, we decided to go see the elder. His wife had passed away and knew he wasn't well and had a short time to live. We went there to see him. And uh, I'll never forget the question that was asked because... He, as well as us, had been in a service where there was a lot of hype and a lot of shout, but it didn't seem to have any substance. And we asked him, said, Elder, what was the difference in your day than our day? He said, in our day, we wanted the presence of God, but in your day, you want the presence of God. P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. -E we wanted to be in his, with his spirit, we wanted to be among him, 
He said, your generation just wants the stuff from him. And I would say to you tonight that when you're praying, are you wanting to be with God or just want stuff from God? Because it matters to God why you are approaching him. The Lord had even spoke to me one time that was on this side of the church. I was getting ready to preach. First camp meeting ever preached. I was scared. I was nervous. God gave me a word. The preacher's canceled. God, I need a word. And the Lord said, I wish you would come to me the way you did when you were five years old. I'll never forget that. I said, Lord, I don't understand what you mean. He said, when you were five, all you wanted was me. You didn't want somebody to get the Holy Ghost. You weren't wanting a word. You weren't wanting God. To, you weren't wanting me to do a miracle. You just wanted me. Can I say to the anchor church, we should never get away from the place that we just want him. We just want his presence. We just want to be in his spirit. We just want him to be among us. Can you shout hallelujah? And so when you're praying, the goal should be to know God. That should be the goal, is to know him. Where we fail in, in our walk with God is when our place of prayer is only a place that we say, Lord, will you do this? Will you take care of this and this? I'm going to talk to you today about staying on point with your prayer and having a continued prayer life with God. How do you start your prayer? When you go to prayer, how do you start your prayer? Thankfulness, thanksgiving, praise. You don't come to God and say, Lord, will you do this for me? Now, I'm not telling you that if you have a, Cindy and I were almost in a car wreck one time, I looked behind me and I could see a, a car coming in a moment in the twinkling of an eye before I could even express. She understood what I was going and said, Jesus! We didn't have time to go down memory lane at everything God had ever done. We just said, Jesus! And guess what? He's as close as the mere mention of his name. How many believe that? And there's something that happens when you call on his name. Amen. But when you're talking about time alone with God, I, it, 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 it is how long do you take? Pastor, how long should I pray? You should pray till you, uh, you, you feel like you've connected with him. There's been many times I walked away from prayer and didn't feel that God heard me, but he heard me. There's been many times that I'll... Uh, I was five seconds in the prayer, and he was right it was as if he was right there waiting on me. Anybody relate with that? And, um, and so what I have learned over the years is the biblical principle. We're going to look at Psalms 100 here. Psalms chapter 100, reading with verse 1. I believe this is principle uh, that we should approach God. Amen. Psalms 100 verse 1. Are you ready? What does, what does the Bible say? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all your lands. So if people think church is too loud, we got to read them Psalms 101. Everybody said joyful noise. That's what that is for all you in the church that can't sing, but you sing when you're by yourself. It's a joyful noise. Amen. Praise God. We're glad you're not singing a solo, but we're glad you sing before the Lord in your alone time. Oh, amen. Watch what it says. Verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. That ought to be the way we live for God. Not with sorrow, but with gladness. Amen. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Man, goodness, y'all sing a lot of the anchor. This is biblical. 
We're singing unto him. What kind of song should we sing unto him? Old ones? They got part of the congregation wants only old songs. Don't raise your hand, you'll get called out right now. We got some of them that, how I many know, a lot of times the younger generation, they just want all the latest songs. We got to sing songs that, that speak to us. Amen. I like old songs, and you know it. But guess what? The Bible says singing to the Lord a new song, a tailored song, one that applies. One of the most recent, my dad loves old songs, but one of the songs that he loves is, is the song about how God has been faithful. What, what's the goodness of God. All my life he has been faithful. That's a newer song, but it's his favorite song. Singing to the Lord a new song. How many of you ever wrote a song alone with the Lord in prayer? How many ever done that? Oh, I've, I've got songs that you all have never heard me sing and probably never will. But they're between me and him. And if God would ever want me to release one, I'd have to work on it a little bit probably. I'm not a songwriter. I'm not even claimed to be. But I have wrote personal songs to him. Amen. And uh, it's between me and God because we have a relationship. When it says, know ye that the Lord, he is God. Amen. You've got to know when you pray that he is God. Not in question. I'm not just seeing if he's there. But know ye that he, the Lord, he is God. For it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. I love this next one. We are his people. And the sheep of his pasture. We approach him as belonging to him. I am his. He is mine. And he says, I know my relationship with him. The Lord is my. Come on, is he yours or is he somebody else's? Is he yours or does he belong to the church? Is he yours or does he belong to your spouse? Is it yours that it belongs to the elders or your parents or to the pastor? I'm going to tell you somewhere when you get along with him, you got to know the Lord is my healer. Lord, you are my provider. You are my savior. Come on, you are my king. You are my Lord. Come on, you got to praise him with personal ownership. He is mine. When we were kids, we sang a song at church camp that said, He is mine. Oh, yes, he's mine. Everything I need. Amen. He is mine. It says, verse 4, here it is, the point I want to get to. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good. He's good in the morning. He's good in the evening. He's good all day long. He's good on your good years. He's good on your bad years. He's good every day of the week. How many know the Lord is good? You can't approach the Lord in prayer that is not good. You approach the Lord in prayer. He is good. And I need him in my life. For the Lord is what? Good. Look at your neighbor and say, he's good when you're not. That's why the next, that's not the next, somebody take you too long to tell them that. My land, don't have a whole conversation to explain to them. He's good and you're not. I was reading today in Isaiah. There's none good, no not, some, none good, no not one. But look what it says in the next part of the verse. And his truth endureth to all what? I, I missed the middle part. His mercy is what? It's everlasting. you got to approach God knowing he's good when you're not and there's still mercy for your life. 
when you didn't do what you're supposed to do, he's still merciful to me and his truth endures to all generations. When I get in alignment with his truth, it's going to work out. How many believe there's power in approaching God knowing he is good? Sister Millie, aren't you glad when you came back to the Lord, he was still good? How many came back to God and you found that the Lord was still good? Amen, amen, amen. And so approaching God in prayer should be done through praise and thanksgiving. You hear me say a lot of times repeated things because I also say those, say those consistently when I pray. I'll say things like this. Lord, I'll thank you for two straight feet. Y'all know why. Because he healed me of crooked feet. Lord, I thank you for two hands that I can lift up in the air to you. I thank you, Lord, for two legs I can stand on. Thank you, God, for a heart that beats and lungs that breathe. And thank you, Lord, for, for a good health. I thank you for eyes that see and ears that hear. What am I doing? I'm thanking him of things. I don't want God to ever think for a minute. I'm not thankful for the things he's blessed me with. God, I thank you for my wife. Thank you for my children. I thank you for food on the table. Come on, you don't know how good it is to have a car until you don't have one. Thank you for a car to drive. I thank you for a sound mind. I thank you, Lord, for, for goodness and mercy. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me and putting my sins in the sea of forgiveness. And I'll start quoting verses. As far as the east is from the west, so far have you re removed my transgressions from me. I'm grateful that he took your sins away. Don't start your prayer with God. I need you to get me this. I'm talking about there's emergency moments that you can do that, but not daily prayer. You just come in asking. Oh, no, you come in desiring. And guess what the scripture says? He inhabits the praises of his people. It does not say he inhabits the praises of his people if they're righteous. It does not say he inhabits the praises of his people if they're perfect. It does not say he inhabits the praises of his people if they're in alignment with everything that he's told them to do. Because the only prerequisite for praise is breath. And when you begin to project praise, you could live like the devil last week and get into his presence praising him on Sunday because his presence comes into the room. The goal of his presence is not to continue the way you're living the goal of his presence is to get into a place with him so you can become like him. Amen. His presence is not a justification of your wrong. His presence is an invitation to get better than you are. And that's why when I am praising God for the good things he's done for me, it's always a door to come into him. I submit to you tonight, don't ever start your prayer asking. Start your prayer thinking because praise is the door to more. Everybody shout praise is the door to more. Don't ask him for something else and you haven't thanked him for what he's already done. Amen. Let me stay here just a moment. That's why you're going to find when the ten lepers were healed, one returned and Jesus said, were there not nine others? Were there not ten? Where are the other nine? And because he came back and worshiped, thanking him, with genuineness, everybody run back to their families. Missing fingers, missing ears, missing nose, crippled feet, leprosy was gone. He healed them of that. But the one that returned with praise and worship 
the Bible says he was made whole. That meant there was no sign or evidence that he ever had leprosy. The nose came back, the ears came back, the fingers came back, the toes came back. Why? Because praise is the door to more. Amen. Enter his gates with and into his courts with praise. Somebody clap your hands and thank him. I believe praise is a door. I really do. I'm going to say it and move on. I don't believe it's just how you come in. It's a principle that praise is a door. Come through the gate, come through the door, saying thank you, Jesus. If you're grouchy, leave your grouchiness in the car and put on your praise. Change your garment when you come in the door and say, I'm going to praise him. I don't care what you did yesterday, I'm going to lift him up. Because when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, thank God for saving me. Oh, clap your hands. Has he been good to you? He's been good to me. Has he been good to you? Glory. When you get into praise and you feel his presence, they, in the scripture, they would enter with praise, but they would go to the labor. It was, it was a, looked like a bird bath made with mirrors, had water in it. They would go there and cleanse the dirt off their ear, the, 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 wash their hands off their, the dirt, off of their dusty travels. They'd come in and thank him, but they would go to get some cleansing. they get the world off of them. What I'm saying is, there's sometimes that you've got to stop and get the, the world off of you. How many ever tried to pray, but your mind was on something you dealt with that day? How many ever been there? How many ever had, you've been around, you ever run through a field? When you come out of the field, you got burnt. My wife, my poor wife, I'm a hunter. And those clothes I brought home sometimes, Brother Brown, it's never happened to you because you're so holy and righteous, but the birds just fall off of you. You know what I'm talking about, Brother Brown. You come home, you got those hitchhikers. You ever heard of hitchhikers? They call them hitchhikers where I come from. They're all over you. My wife's like, what in the world is this? It's getting over everything. You know what I did? I brought the world in the house. And I've learned going through a day's work, being out in the world, sometimes stuff just sticks to you. How many know that? I don't care how messed up stuff the stick stuck to you. When you come in, it doesn't matter how you feel, what you've had to do with Lord, I want you to know you're good. The world's a mess. I've got a little bit of it on me. But God, you are wonderful, and I'm going to praise you. I'm going to thank you. Come on, he's the healer of my body. How many have some testimonies that you know it was God that did that for you? You know what you do? Thank you, Lord, for saving. Thank you for touching. Thank you for hearing me. Thank you. But there's a moment in prayer. There's a moment in prayer. You, just, you start getting the stuff off of you. Because you're not stopping here in the gate. Your intentions is to get into his glory. Your intentions is to get into his presence. Not, not just as a praiser, but as somebody that becomes one with him. How do you do it? You stop. You say, I, I, I got to get this. I, I'm, not, I'm not carrying the mess, the dust from the world. I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to cleanse, cleanse this off. The moment that you stop in the prayer, say, Lord, and look into the mirror of God's word. Lord, search me. Let me do this. 
Lord, I have a bad attitude. How many's ever had to search? God, is there anything in me? Oh, yeah. Lord, search me. God, is my mind right? Is my spirit right? Is my attitude right? Are my thoughts right? Whatever it might be, you come out. How many's ever worked with some tough characters? How many's ever heard words you couldn't speak, but they were in your mind? Come on, be real with me now. You didn't want them to be there. You didn't invite them to be there, but they just they stuck to you during the day. You've got to cleanse that. Cleanse that. And how do you do that? Lord, search me. Cleanse yourself. And you go, Lord, is there anything? God, I don't want anything in me. shouldn't be there. I'm telling you, this is how I pray. Then you go to the altar and you say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. If I've said something, if I've done something, if I've acted out of way, Lord, I'm sorry for this. Paul made this statement. He said, I die once a month, once a year. I died when I died out to my will when I came to the Lord 25 years ago, and that's all I need. I've been perfect since. You need to repent of lying. He said, I die when? Oh, how many's ever had to grab yourself and put it on the altar? I am what? Crucified with Christ. Yet I live, but not I, but Christ that lives within me. The whole goal is to become less of you and more of him. If your goal of prayer is to be more like you, more like your family, more like people, you're missing the whole concept of prayer. John said, I must decrease so he can increase. What do I want people to see in my life? Nothing but Christ. Nothing but the Lord in my life. How many want that today? Would you lift your hand and say, I want, I want them to see you in my life. How many want that? I want them to see the Lord in my life. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus on earth alone. To be like him. One man wrote a song, stepped to his church. Arsonists had burnt his church down to the ground that he had built. And that old preacher standing there with the Nothing left of the church that he had built except smoldering smoke and the ashes of what was a dream and a vision. He was so angry, so frustrated dealing with this situation that he, he thought of what he wanted to do in revenge. He said, but he sat down and he thought to himself, that's not what Jesus would do. And he wrote a song that says, I've got a long way to go. To be like the Lord, anger inside of me. I've got a long way to go to be like him. I've never been spit upon, ridiculed, wounded in my side. Life's no bed of roses, but still I am alive. I've got a long way to go to be like the Lord. How many feel that way tonight? That's the goal of prayer. I want to be like him. Come on, I want people, I want people to see him in me. I want to be the light of the world. I don't want to be a reflection of the family. I want to be a reflection of glory. Somebody shout amen. And watch what happens. And he, he dies out on the altar. And when he dies out on the altar, the sacrifice from the altar could be carried past into the holy place, into the tent. Everything there was outside. But when he got in, they wanted to make sure. They wanted to make sure they would be invited into his presence. God doesn't care where you come from. God doesn't care what you've done. Anybody can come in praising him. But praise is not an excuse to stay. At some point, the praiser has to turn into a worshiper, and they're completely two different things.
You can praise God and not know him. He can do a great thing for you, not know him. I'm going to give you an example. A blind man was healed. Jesus said, go wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam. And when he washed his eyes, he was healed. But if you stood, stood Jesus up with ten other men, he could have never pointed out who he was because he didn't see him. He didn't know him. He, he, he'd have never pointed out which one he was. Are y'all hearing me? Because he had a miracle, but he didn't know him. But his praise and standing on what he believed. The Bible says Jesus came to him. And I'm going to tell you, the purpose of your miracle was not just for you to be better. It's for you to seek more of him. Hey man, I don't want to be one of those that got healed but never came back and said, Lord, I want to know you. I want to have a deeper relationship with you. I'm so thankful for this church. There's so many of you that have had miracles. If you, God's ever healed you, wave your hand. God ever answered a prayer, wave your hand. But we're not just here. We're not just here because of the miracle. You know why we're still here? It's because just the closer walk with me. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to thee. Let it be, Lord. He went from a place of dying out. Not my will. Not what I want. God, is this the career you want me in? God, I lay it down. Is, is, is this the ministry you want me? God, do I have a burden that you have? God, listen me and more of what you want. They would carry that in to the holy place. and It was in the holy place where they started worshiping. Amen. Because he becomes a what and becomes a who in worship. What in your praise? A who in your worship. The what is he, he healed me. But the who, he's the great physician. Can somebody shout hallelujah? He goes from he healed me to he's my healer. Amen. He forgave me to he's my redeemer. He's my savior. He's mine. You start worshiping. It's the worth of who he is. Somebody shout glory. You're saying, pastor, you do this in your prayer? Yes. This is what you do. You can do it every day and begin to thank him for the goodness, but begin to thank him for who he is to you. How many love him? Amen. How many love your doctor? How many love your lawyer? How many love the plumber? No. They helped you, but you don't love them. And God forbid that God helped you, but you never got to know him. I don't want him to be another member of my community. I want him to live in my heart. I want to walk with him. I don't want him to be just one that helped me through a tough time. Oh, no. I want to walk with him from now to glory. I've come to tell this congregation, you can walk with God. I said you can. You can walk with him day in and day out. He'll walk with you in the valley. He'll carry you through the mountain. He'll be with you. <laughs> Is there anybody in this building that when you weren't doing right, he still was right there? He brought you through when you weren't worthy of it. He came there for you. Oh, clap your hands and praise him. I feel him right now. In the name, in the name, in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. I want us to understand the intentions. Intentions. Once you get in to this place of worship, he invites you to beyond the veil. 
It is a place in Him to where you make your petitions known. It's a place with Him where you become one with Him. We know it in the Holy of Holies place that, and I realize this is in your living room. I, I understand this might be your bedroom. I understand it might be the prayer room at the church. It might be when you come in during the day as some do and seek the Lord. I understand, but it's still a journey. It can happen right in your house, can it, Elder Brown? Brother Sister Millie can it happen right in your home. We call it devotion. It's alone time with God and Him. Let me see your Bible. I can't tell you how many times it was just me and the Lord and a cup of coffee. I don't know for all those not coffee drinkers in the building. I did not say you can't have a move of God without a cup of coffee. But sometimes in the mornings, I'll sit by my fireplace, me and his word, and I'll talk to him like I'm talking to you. A lot of times I start on my knees, Lord, I just want to thank you. Sometimes I'll pace to the house. Sometimes I'm here at the church. Depends on what day it is. I'll come in. Typically when I walk in this church, I'll walk around and I, I pray the perimeter of the sanctuary. I walk the perimeter building. Sometimes the weather, I walk even outside and I'll walk and pray. That's my period of thanksgiving. I thank God for this building. I thank God for you. But there's a place in devotion that it's not about you. I don't pray for you there. A lot of times I don't even pray for my wife or my kids there because my time alone with God is not about Him giving me things I need. It's about Him and me. And the reason I'm reading His Word in my devotion is because I want to know Him in His Word. You will never separate God from His Word. Somebody say amen. God is bound to His Word. It's His Word. It's the Word of God. Men preach it. Men read it. But it's the Word of the Lord. And I will open up my Bible. I'm going to confess to this congregation. I have not studied for a message since I was 19 years old. Because when I was 19, my motive was to read the Bible to get a message to preach to the church. And I almost missed it. And I stopped then and let my devotion be a time not to get a message but to know Him. And out of my devotion would come messages to preach. Because ministry is what you do in the overflow of your devotion. Don't ever get it backwards. You hear me? Everybody say ministry is what we do in the overflow of our devotion. Can I challenge you today? Your devotional time is not your time to pray for family. It's not time to intercede for the city. There's a difference between devotion and intercession. It's so quiet in here. Pastor, hold on a minute. You're telling me not to pray for my family? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying but the goal of prayer is not just to pray for what you want God to do in your life. The goal of prayer is to decrease and He increase in your life. It can go into a season of we you need to pray. I believe you need to pray every day for your family. It's not what I'm saying. But the goal of devotion is not just to get God to do what you want Him to do. The Bible calls it praying a minute. I've lost you on that one. But if every time you, can I, can I give a strong correction here? If every time you go to prayer you're rebuking the devil, you're missing it. I bind every spirit. I command this and leave. Listen, you're going to get worn out and tired. Because you end up fighting battles that don't belong to you. 
Now, sometimes you got to go talk to the captain of the, the army, have a conversation just you and him without war and everything. It's tight in here, but it's right. Because your time alone with God is to be about your time alone with God. Can I add on to that? Yes. But I shouldn't be petitioning for everything in my life without getting to know Him. Somebody say amen. The goal is to not be used of God. The goal is to walk with God so He can whisper to you and say, this is what I want you to do. Walking with God is the goal. You have two characters in the Bible. Are you all with me tonight? You believe in intercession? Do you believe you should be in intercession every day? Uh-uh. You can't intercede all the time. Intercession is war. You're praying from within. Can you pray every day? Yes. But there's times for intercession. How many know there's a time for war and there's a time for peace? Intercession is war. You're standing in the gap between two worlds that you are, you are feeling the emotions here. Your emotions will be everywhere in intercession. Two characters in the scriptures, one is named Enoch and the other one is named Elijah. Both were what? Anybody know what they had in common? Neither one never died. Wow, they were both translated. Why were they translated? Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God. What exploit did he do? Tell me one powerful thing that Enoch did. This is, this is open class here. You can raise your hand. He walked with God. How many, know the ex, how many can tell me some exploits that Elijah did? Called fire out of heaven, stopped it to rain three and a half years, caused it to rain after that. Are, y'all, are you getting what I'm saying? I'm talking about he was a powerful Powerfully used exploits of God. Both were translated. One did all these exploits. The other one, he just walked with God. And he had this testimony that he pleased the Lord. I'm saying to you, the goal is to not be used of God. The goal is to walk with God. I want to lean on on him so I can hear his heartbeat and know what he loves and know what he doesn't like. I mean, no, there's things he loves and there's also things he does not like. Everybody say prayer. Do you love to pray? Do you love to pray? How many love to pray? How many ever found it hard to pray? Would you raise your hand? Sometimes we have it hard to pray because we don't understand the value of prayer. I think some people don't pray because they believe God will hear the person in the church, but God won't hear them. I'm going to tell you, he hears me when... I pray. Everybody shout, he hears me when I pray. I appreciate you asking me for prayer, and I'll pray with you, but I'm telling you, God hears you when you pray. If you believe it, let there be a hearty amen. So when you are, when you are seeing this in that back on 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and um, how many believe we can just pray in a heavenly language when we're praying? I do that, and I'm going to show you something. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. I left off here uh, Sunday, and uh, um, while you're turning there, let me just say, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2, while you're turning there, I'm going to say this, if you stop fasting, you stop praying. I've learned that by experience. When you stop fasting, you'll stop praying. Did Jesus say we need to fast? He said we must fast. 
Why? It takes the desires off of us and causes us to want to seek the Lord. If you can't be passionate during your prayer, go on a fast, you'll start crying when you're praying. Any witnesses in the building? You'll become very passionate when you're praying. Weeping, a burden of the Lord. Why? Because what's the goal of fasting? What's the goal of fasting? Make God feel sorry for you? Oh, look at Aaron down there. He hadn't had, he hadn't had chicken in three days. Poor guy. Hadn't had a cup of coffee. Look at him. He's grouchy. I'm going to go ahead and help him. And, uh, oh no, the goal of fasting is not to make God feel sorry for you. Well, I'm not going to eat until he answers my prayer. That, that's not. That, 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 that's, that's not why we do that. that. That's not getting God's attention. Me having an empty stomach and weak and, and, and walking around like this, that's not making God feel sorry for me. And the Lord said, let's, let's see how far. And then, oh no, it doesn't move God, it moves me. It puts me into a place that I can be sensitive to the things of God. Now, I have seen people that got so desperate. They wanted a miracle to happen. And, and, and I, I watched a lady one time. She prayed either seven or nine days. And when she did, at the end of her fast, her husband come run to the altar that had never been in church. I'm telling you, fasting works. But it's not causing heaven to feel sorry for you and come to you because you're hungry. Oh, no. It moves you to a place of faith. One of the most powerful things is being on an extended fast and the Spirit of the Lord move and watch the gifts start operating inside of you. Ting, ting, ting. I'm telling you, it'll cause. Ooh, I feel something in this room right now. God calling on some of you to a fast. When you start fasting, you're going to start feeling. Feeling what? You're going to start feeling how God feels about it. You'll start believing through eyes of faith instead of eyes of, 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 of flesh. You'll start saying, you know, I believe that miracle is going to happen. You start looking at your spouse and say, you know, I think the miracle is just around the corner. What are you doing? What are you doing? You are feeling after things the way God does. I will say, don't make any major decisions when you're a fast because you're in a war with your own flesh. Y'all getting this tonight? Preachers, all the preachers, listen to me. If you're fasting, don't change what you're going to preach at that meeting while you're fasting. Because that's, that's you. Go eat a cheeseburger, then make your decision. How many ever felt a fresh touch of God after the fast was over and things began to come clear? I'm telling you, I'm teaching you by experience. When he said fasting and prayer, some things don't happen by fasting and prayer. Stay with me. It doesn't move God. It moves you. Puts you in a position to, to pray with faith. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. It says, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, speaketh not unto men, but to who? But unto God. For... No man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. Can you speak in tongues and it not be interpreted? Answer is yes. Why? Because when you are speaking in tongues in your alone time with God, you are talking to God. So in the, a, a couple of chapters before this, chapter 12, it says, do all speak with tongues? The answer is no. Do all, uh, do all interpret? The answer is no. Do all prophesy? The answer is no. Are all apostles? The answer is no. That is not talking about praying in tongues when it says do all speak with tongues. It is talking about the gift of tongues. Y'all have five minutes here? And what it's saying is, is that if you have the gift of tongues, it's to bring edification or edifying to the body. If you have a gift of the spirit, it is to edify somebody else, not yourself. 
prophecy for somebody else. The gift of tongues, tongues, a message in tongues has to be followed by what? A message interpretation. I've been in this all my life. I've seen it so many times. Somebody stand up and give a message in tongues. Somebody else stand up and give the, the message in English because we're English-speaking people. Wouldn't help us if the interpreter gave it in Spanish. Are you with me? Give a message in tongues, unlearned. The Bible says it's an unknown tongue. God's not going to use you just to speak a language that you know for the people and it has to be interpreted. He's going to give you an unknown tongue because it takes step of faith to start speaking in a language you didn't learn at school. Let me know it's true. Even a greater level of yielding and to allow that to happen to speak to a congregation of people. How many has ever been used in the gift of tongues that needed to be interpreted? Would you raise your hand? Raise it high so I can see. Just three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Once you have the gift, you'll always have the gift. He doesn't revoke the gift. I feel something in the building. When you gave the message in tongues, the tongues a lot of times are interpreted by this. Thus saith the Lord. Can I be clear teaching here for a minute? If, I'm only, if there's only one way of speaking in tongues and it's speaking to God, why is the interpretation, thus saith the Lord? Because that is not a message in tongues that's to God. That's a message in tongues that's spoken to the people by God through a vessel. Do I get that? Honey, was that clear? It's God speaking through someone in an unknown tongue, and then that has to be interpreted in the language of the hearer. Thus saith the Lord. I've seen it so many times, so powerful. If you give a message to tongues to somebody, it has to be interpreted or you are out of order. How many know that's true? Every now and then a preacher get up here preaching and, and uh, uh, we'll preach. I speak in tongues when I'm, when I'm preaching and I'll pull the microphone down because my spirit is praying. My spirit is worshiping God. How many know that's what's happening when you're speaking in tongues? The Bible says when they speak in tongues, they speak of the wonderful works of God. Oh, hallelujah. How many's ever been praying and you, your understanding was unfruitful? Would you wave your hand? How many know it's very, very real? Day of Pentecost, listen, Acts chapter 2, it happened. Acts chapter 19, it happened. Acts chapter 10, it happened. They spake with tongues, no interpretation. Why? Because there's a difference in God's spirit moving in you, giving you the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and your spirit responding to that, then there is a gift to edify the body. Everybody say with me. If you have a gift, it's to edify the body. I'm going to show you something. Look at chapter 14. And it says, verse 18, I thank my God. Let's look at it. Paul said, I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all. What does he say in the next verse? Yet in the church. So where is he talking about? If, if every tongue has to be interpreted, then why does he say yet in the church? And I've had, I mean, there's a lot of teachers out there that teach if you speak in tongues, it has to be interpreted. They're talking about tongues in general. That's not biblical. Acts chapter 19 and Acts chapter 10, they spake with tongues and it was not interpreted. God filled them with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with as Jesus taught in a new tongue. 
Are y'all hearing me? Because there's a difference in praying in an unknown tongue and giving a message in the gift of tongues. There's a complete difference. And if you are using the gift of tongues, Sister Betty Hodge, who passed away recently, God will use her sometimes in the gift of interpretation. And when I went to see her one of the last times, she began to pray in a prophetic prayer about when he sh shall come, he shall know them, for they shall bear his name. Powerful moment was one of her last moments. Prayed in the same voice that you all heard that grew up in this church, been around her many years. It was very, very, very powerful. But what I'm saying to you is that Paul makes the statement, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Let, let, let's, uh, let's look at verse 39. Wherefore, brethren, covet to what? Prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. There are a lot of people that teach should not speak with tongues. I mean, no, that's true. In a lot of the Christian denominational world, they say, oh, don't speak in tongues. That was only for a day. I'm going to tell you right now, they come too late to tell me it's not for today. I've seen too much, I've heard too much, and I'm going to tell you, I have already experienced it. I mean, no, the power of the Holy Ghost is alive and among us and is real. Let's stand our feet, clap our hands, and thank God for the outpouring of His Spirit. Oh, come on, clap your hands and praise Him. Amen. Amen. Chapter 14, verse 14. Uh, uh, look what it says. Chapter 4, 1 Corinthians 14 and 14. For I pray in an unknown tongue. Can you say amen? I do it at home. That's what Paul was saying. When he said, yet in the church, I need to, I need to speak in a language you understand. What was he saying? Well, when I'm praying, I speak with tongues more than you all. What's he talking about? When I'm alone with God. When I pray. How many of you pray in the Spirit when it's just you and the Lord? Would you raise your hand? Yeah, I do. I do. I do often. And do I believe everybody can? I do. I believe it's for you and your children and all that are far off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And because we preach this, we see a lot of people receive it. And I believe it's for you. Look at your neighbor. says it's for you and me. Amen. Amen. How many would say it's probably the most powerful experience you've ever had in your life? Would you wave your hand and shout hallelujah when God touched you? Amen. I'm telling you, I do. I pray in the Holy Ghost every day. I'll wake up speaking in tongues. Not because I'm more spiritual, but my spirit is praying. My spirit, amen. Spirit makes alive. Do you believe that? I do. I pray in the spirit. I walk, walk and pray. And I, that's sometimes. And he said, for I pray in an unknown tongue, my, what? Spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. For all of you tongue talkers in the building, everybody here that spoke in tongues, did you know what you were saying? Only a few times has God ever let me see what I was saying in those very miraculous moments where God let it happen to be interpreted in prayer. I've had that to happen a couple of times. Not very many. Majority of times I'm speaking in an unknown tongue, my understanding is unfruitful. Let me put this in, in modern day English. You don't have a clue what you're saying. Can I get a witness from some people that have experienced it speaking in tongues, but you didn't know what you were saying? How many of you ever found that sometimes when you're speaking in tongues, it sounds very familiar and sometimes very consistent in your prayer? Because your spirit knows. But how many has ever had those moments the Bible says, and sorry, I don't have the verse in front of me, I'm going to quote it, but the Bible says that, that, that the spirit is the intercessor. And, and you'll make groanings that you understand. Do not understand, for it knows what you have need of. 
I mean, know that when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. But there's things in the Spirit you might not understand with your mind, but your Spirit is working that out with God. How I many know it's powerful to pray in the Spirit? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. My grandmother got kicked out of a church for speaking in tongues. They believed in the move of the Spirit and had a revelation of the Scripture. They didn't think it could happen. They were taught it wasn't up for today. And they danced and shout. They picked Bobby pins off the floor. And that denominational church back in the 1930s and 40s. But when my great-grandmother got the Holy Ghost, they, oh, we don't know what this is. They told her to go. And uh, so glad she did. Because what a revelation it is. And now these denominations that were against it are having revivals and believing for it. Because God doesn't just pour His Spirit out right here. Amen. Whosoever will, He's pouring His Spirit out on every denomination that's hungry for more of God. How many want all of Him? I don't want some of Him. I want all of Him. And uh, one guy told me one time when I was just a boy, he said, you mean you speak in tongues? I said, well, you mean you don't? It's for you. What does the scripture say? Let's get it ingrained in us right now. Verse 39. Forbid not to speak in tongues. He didn't tell them not to speak in tongues. I addressed a few things the other day about being, letting it be in the order of prayer, not drawing attention to yourself. So I can show you in scripture. There were 12 people speaking in tongues at the same time in scripture. Let me know that. Acts 19. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Acts 10. Not interpreting. Because there's a difference in praying in tongues than the gift of tongues. So I end on this point, and, uh, and this is it. You can't just go to prayer and just speak in tongues the whole time. You've got to be intentional with God. And what happens is the same spirit that allows you to speak with other tongues will also cause you to pray prayers because they've proven when you're speaking in, a, in an unknown tongue, you're praying from a different source of your brain. You're, you're, not, you're not praying from, the, from the, the logical part of the brain. You're praying from an innermost part of you. But there's a part of you that, that, that prays logic. God, touch my wife, touch my kids. Maybe a situation going on in the family. You can just be intentional about that. I'm going to tell you, there's a place in God that He reveals to you names. He reveals to you situations. One lady, God gave her a number, gave her a number from across the country, and she called and dialed the number and called the man. And when he answered the phone, she began to give him a word from the Lord. And it was exactly what he needed. You know why? Because the Spirit knows. How many want God to use you when you I want the Lord to use you in your prayers. Brother and Sister Edwards, we've learned that God can use anybody that's hungry for Him. How old was Evelyn when she gave the message in tongues to the church during the prayer revival? Seven? Seven years old? Am I right? Seven-year-old child. You know why? She's available. If I could challenge you, today it would be this. Have your devotion, have time of intercession. Have your devotion, but the goal is, is to walk alone with God. And I'm telling you, He'll lead and guide you when you're walking alone with Him. How I many want that? Would you lift your hands in the air and say, God, I want you to use me. I want to be led of you.
I want your spirit to minister to me and through me. Oh, mighty God. Hallelujah. We're believing for great things today, oh God, in this church. In the name of Jesus Christ, we're believing that our prayers will go to a whole new level. Come on, the Lord hears you when you pray. He's opening the door for more. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Somebody clap your hands and thank God for the night. Amen, amen. I'm going to let you be dismissed. We've got church Sunday. Listen, Sunday night is a crusade service with David Smith. Miracles are going to happen. I'm convinced of that. People that want the Holy Ghost are going to receive the Holy Ghost. People, people that want to be used of God and touched by God, it's going to happen on, on Sunday night. Amen. Church on Sunday morning, I'm going to start a family series at, at 10 a.m., be preaching at 11 a.m., but I'm excited about this weekend. It's what, Labor Day weekend? But I, I know God's going to move. Somebody said, are you going to cancel on Labor Day weekend? I said, I'll give them 30-some Sunday nights off. We're going to have church on Labor Day weekend. Amen. How many ready for God to move among them? we got a harvester coming. Amen. Using that gift, evangelist. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.